Hey everybody, welcome back to Back Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep, uh, the longest running and most fun podcast about Top Chef um, that I know of. Um, today, we're talking about <laughs> Season 18, Episode 2, Trouble Brewing, in addition oh. to the fact that both coffee and beer are brewed, I actually feel a lot of com- comradeship with them because they are also both acquired tastes. Um, I'm Alex, I take a little while to get used to. Joining me in North Koreatown, Los Angeles, it's Megan. Hello. And we're also joined from Northern California by Ezra and Sarah. Hey, guys. Hey. And from Brooklyn. Man, the gang's all here today. From Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. Hey, hey. Hello. And rounding out the panel in Burbank, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, now. So glad to have everybody assembled. Um, So let's start out with, for the people we did not hear from last week, for new Sarah, Kyle, and Tanya, how are you feeling? Give us a Portland season feels dump. Tanya, why don't you start us off? How was the oh. first two episodes for you? I was like, I'm curious to hear what other people are saying. And then <laughs> I got called on first. Um, I think, I mean, the the feelings are positive. I, I, I'm really appreciative that this is just such a, a batch of like extremely talented folks. And they're yeah. like, I think because of the talent level, the anxiety level is not as uh high even at the beginning when there are so many damn chefs yeah um which is just really fun because i i I guess i just feel like we're already seeing so much more like joshing around and like i mean uh, mvp of josh and shota apparently right right right. shota is the star of our hearts obviously um but there's just yeah there's a lot of bonhomie and i love i love that that's like one of my favorite things about top chef and i i am so pleased that they are leaning into it in this time of you know, difficulty. It just yeah. it's felt that has that in particular has felt really nice. I would say, like it feels like they're mostly inside anonymous ish spaces. I don't feel like we've gotten a lot of like city <laughs> flavor yet, right? Um, but I I realize that it is episode two, so I'm going to try and you know keep well, my expectations. The most anonymous tempered. place the 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 restaurant they were cooking in today was a restaurant that we have walked by a million times and could tell you nothing about. With just a, there's a red sign. We know it's downtown. Nothing about that restaurant. Is there was something about that sign that just like, I just never read it. And like, probably two thirds of the way through the episode, I turned to Chris and was like, where are they again? Yeah, like, right? yeah I know they're in neon sign tavern. Yep. But like, by that token, it's like neon sign city too. Yeah, but like, it's just it's just east downtown. Right. It just yeah. looks like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. just, I mean, it just, it has, it has the look of, I mean, this will eventually be looked back on as like, oh yeah, that thing we were doing in like the 2000s and the 2010s and, you know, like the, it has that aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, for whatever reason, it's, it's been hard for me to be like, oh, right, this is where they are. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, because they don't have like other people to say like, I'm letting you in my restaurant. Because that's they're so quarantining true. from the chefs and stuff. It, every that's like it's made the functionality of the the uh, Dodge Colleen of former chef testants. Uh, isn't that the word from? Yeah, yeah. The like you know the the former um, you know Game of Thrones. I forget all the terms for it. Anyway, what? Wait, what was that yeah, word? I don't know. I don't the know Dodge Colleen, the like previous queens. You know when like Danny is with all the other like former horse ladies and they're like oh, oh i'm sorry I, yeah, I, this is uh listen we is all that... watch that show once upon a time and we i'm making it come back it. it's the iron anniversary y'all 
is uh, the Doge Colleen related to Doge Coin? Is it is it the same thing? No, very different. No. There's okay. no Steve <laughs> Inus in the Doge. Okay, pretty different, yeah. but not. <laughs> Um, um, but it's like the- uh, so, Sarah and Kyle. How are you feeling about this new season so far? I do. I have to agree with the camaraderie. You can tell everyone has yes. been like quarantining together, and yeah. that's really nice. And again, there don't seem to be as many like egos out to prove things so far. That could change, but I wonder if it because everyone is so established, they're just like, I know I'm really good at this already, and now it's kind of about competing with myself more. I'm sure yeah, that that's such a great point. Everyone has already got a restaurant, so this yeah. is less like this is my only chance. Yeah, yeah. They, you know they're they're hungry in a different way. I would say, but it's cool to see it be more about personal pride so far. And I'm hoping we don't end up with villains because I always like everyone to be friends. You know, the only other thing I would say is that the editing reminds me of Westworld, and I don't like that. So we'll see if that continues. <laughs> we'll say Do you think more one about of them is a robot? Yeah, what's happening? It's it's, it's all like the cross all cross cuts. Yeah, and and they're like here's part of a, a skyline and here's part of a skyline in the oh, middle. The here's someone like cutting a bell pepper. And I'm like, no, thank you. I just want right. to watch one or the other of these things. Either show me a bridge <laughs> in Portland or show me the chefs prepping their food. But if I see both at once, I'm not smart enough to parse all that in one frame. There's too many changes. <laughs> I did not notice that exactly. Uh, Everything. I will different. now. Yeah. yeah now I mean, it's going to be like so many different bridges like Westworld. Well, they do. <laughs> editing style really was the first thing i thought of. i'm like what's another show where i noticed the editing and i don't care for it and it was westworld but please don't <laughs> at me i don't care about anyone's no, opinions about westworld you could do that's, well, that's like westworld mad libs for me i noticed the blank and i do not care for it that's, yes <laughs> exactly that could be an entire paragraph for me also sir i think like uh, there was a few years ago where you might have gotten some people trying to pick a fight about westworld with you but i feel like the last westworld defender has faded away by now and oh, i was absolutely. late to that i I love the idea of the, yeah, the, just the, the diehard Westworld stands who are still sticking it out. Yeah. Like, I loved season two. I yeah. really like how they're in a modern, is, they're in the future now, and she's still like a cowboy, but she's a future cowboy. Nobody likes it. It's not great. Yeah. We tried so hard to like it. Um, Kyle, thoughts? Anything else you want to add to that? Everybody's nerds. Like, uh, everyone's like <laughs> getting along, but they're all really they have a lot of like dork energy and I think yeah, it's I was going to ask if you could bully them before we started. Well, no, they're, they're just like, they're goofy and awkward. And I think it's a, a unintended sim- like side effect of everyone quarantining beforehand. It's like, yeah, we're in these first couple episodes. We're really seeing them relearn how to interact with one another, which is why I think a lot of them as like, cool and talented as they are as chefs, like their person out, like there's all the little, like, clicky bad girls club friends and like they're a lot more playful in how they like hang out and get along and i think and is there's something like, about that that makes you want to like take their lunch money no they're just like they're not cool and i appreciate mm. that and i empathize oh, okay. with that but like the the thing is that i i've noticed that like no one seems like very like cool and other than shoda like like shoda's it's sort of like Shota knows what he's doing, but he's also like a goofy personality. But there's no one who's like Michelle was last year where she's like, yeah, I get along with people, but I cook the hell out of things. Yeah, I wonder if I feel like maybe the the one jock who might want to uh, bully people would be Dawn. I feel like Olympic mm-hmm. energy is different from dork energy. Definitely. Uh, I, I would I'll would just say 
the track and field team are not known to be the jock bullies <laughs> generally. Okay. All right. They're not the jockiest of the Olympians. I don't know. I, we, we've been watching the challenge and uh, Lolo mm-hmm. Jones uh, had, a, had a harsh energy to her on the challenge. Mm. Didn't go great. So did not go great. It, it's you know it's kind of an individual athlete versus team sport kind of thing. Yeah, I think a lot okay. of it. All right, but well, yeah, well I, what about? Oh, go ahead. No. What oh, about I was Portland say, Gabriel? Um, yeah. Do you think? Yeah. I, I kind of feel like his energy is a little bit more uh, too oh, cold for school. I think he's getting the villain at it, but also I do think he's a dork. Uh, I mean, I it's on the verge. I I did not appreciate dork. the explaining to another extremely skilled chef when to put pepper on something that was rude yeah that mm-hmm. that went badly it was weird yeah but I, also, I mean they... you know in person who knows how he is again it's hard to tell when you're on tv and in a competition and right. dawn had the the onus of how she wanted to handle that and i think she handled it beautifully and clearly she knew what she was doing so it didn't matter, yeah i mean but... the, the show has to edit certain villainous villainy into it a little like they have to try i feel like every year they have to try to find somebody who could be the villain and so they're giving gabe and to a lesser extent dawn that early edit but i don't think they've done anything particularly egregious yet no it was like more annoying than it was like yeah Yeah. evil (laughs) well let's jump into it let's talk about episode two uh so order up the top chef kitchen has been adorably made over as the cleanest greasy diner i've ever seen including those and by that they put like a straw thing on a table right is that what they did straw they they had a little napkin holder they had those iconic eight pound coffee mugs and all the servers were wearing little paper hats it was so cute it was very charming it was if it's every modern restaurant that was inspired by a diner yes yes um so the basically they're paying today the chef testants were charged with paying homage to the hardworking but underappreciated short order cooks and a little bit maybe to Portland's favorite meal, breakfast, uh, that's just a tad too fussy. Uh, Each of the all-star judges places an order for either a normal or an absurd breakfast, and the first two chefs to ding in to a bell light system gets to prepare eight portions of that dish in just 30 minutes. Then they're judged head-to-head. Somebody leaves without paying, a fight breaks out, someone gets stabbed, the cooks have to clean the bathroom, and then be back at 4 a.m. the next day. Wow. Just a classic diner situation. Um, Classic Top Chef situation. (laughs) A lot of stabbing. Um, Just like today's episode, the challenge has so much setup. I'm going to have to breeze through the actual results. Um, Everybody wanted to make steak and eggs for Amar, but no one wanted to make dim sum for Melissa. Gabe wins the former while Shoda gives in and wins the latter, making something called shrimp dumpling mochi, which Mm. definitely sounds like one of my least favorite flavors of ice cream. Dale orders spam and kimchi fried rice and is immediately kicked out of the show and his name is erased from the Top Chef record books. Um, I assume, uh, other Gabe takes home that prize by adding pineapple, which is kind of a zesty Hawaiian addition to an already Hawaiian dish. Jamie makes gochujang shrimp and grits for Kwame, which wins the battle despite, uh, calling her grits polenta in the graphic. Um, meanwhile, Gregory wants a veggie hash and this is important eggs, please somebody give Gregory eggs. It's literally half his order. You didn't leave the shrimp off the shrimp and grits or the dim off the sum. Just make him an egg what is this mom brunch mm. wow what did he do deserves no oh, not to yeah. like eggs yeah we had all the moms together and no yeah, one made eggs the camping oh, yeah. thing where uh-huh. everyone's gonna make That's eggs, true. Make oh, eggs. Right. A deep cut. yes mom camp. camp mom camp. that was, yeah. that was, that was, that was deep. megan's cut too much since then alex 
Yeah, I understand. Um, but still, what did Greg do to deserve to be no egg Greg? Anyway, Sasha <laughs> wins for making yogurt that looks eggy enough. Um, <laughs> Carrie Baird is back, which means time Yay. for some toast. Yeah, that was nice. um, good. So, on brand. time for some toast. Here's to mashed avocados. Uh, and Richard continues his tradition of being a gigantic troll by ordering 42 things for breakfast. Uh, he gets whatever food you're able to finish in the time. And no matter how you fry his eggs, Panya makes, Padma makes sure Richard is served medium well roasted. Mm-hmm. Oh, To Her be fair, the be Irish breakfast is a classic diner order. True. Um, so, okay, great place to start. Should we be more fair to Richard? There's a lot no. of Richard hate to him trolling on this order. But also, he did order a few things, but like... It is like a breakfast plate. It's not like he made up something no one had ever heard no. of. Yeah, if somebody said eggs over medium with a side of hash browns and some sauce on it, like yeah. you'd be like, that is normal. And then he added corned beef, which turns it into something called an Irish breakfast. I'm also of the opinion that he didn't choose or he didn't have that much latitude over what he chose. Exactly. That's what I was so, going to say. Oh, I don't think anybody point. was like improving their breakfast order during this challenge. That doesn't sound like a thing. Yeah. You think they had to clear it all with production oh, and oh, test sure. Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. have to have the ingredients. I would I would say that point. production cleared it with the contestants of who wants to be the asshole on this panel? <laughs> Blaze, you don't and mind, Richard, right? Richard was like, well, that is sort of my thing. Yeah. Well, or they went, uh, you probably don't mind being the asshole, Richard, right? Yeah. You uh, have the most money. And he went, yep, that's well, true. Well, and also, like, what are what sort of a personality does this breakfast order have? Like, you're not, like, Greg's not going to order that. So, like, I mean, just, like, connecting the dots, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. there's and only wanted, so many. And they, they clearly wanted that to be last. So there was some um, punishment for waiting too long, as you just have yeah. to make a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I was also. I think that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of the the production being involved but yeah of course they cleared those orders ahead of time i was stunned that after the first two made eggs for everyone no one else could pull off eggs like eggs gave up yeah like everyone saw like them hauling ass to get eggs on every plate and then well i mean sasha forgot eggs on the on on the instructions but like yeah yeah, she didn't even hear that i guess maybe dawn made them but didn't serve them yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, eggs apparently are much more troubling. In uh, fairness, when I first saw that ticket that they showed, it did have fried eggs like way up in the top, and I didn't notice it either. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It I was a layout issue, either. I think, with whatever it, yeah. PA wrote it. We should yeah. Plus, yeah, and when you were when he was saying it out loud, they were in a big nervous hurry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they it's also one of those things. This. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, they heard the hash, and that's harder to prepare. So even if you're like, totally. even if you hear egg, it goes out the other ear because you're like, I got to make a hash fast. I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. forgive them because I've never had a hash in my life and not had an egg on top. Like, why agree. get just a hash? But I've also never had a hash with preserved lemon creme fraiche on it, and I would like to. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. It sounds so good. But I, I would say also, in my mind, it's, it's a symptom of the escalating stress. Mm-hmm. The first yeah, one, yeah. it's... The two people who got kind of a simple-ish breakfast um, that you can really put your twist on. Eggs is right in the name of the one thing that, that yeah. that's ordered. Everything else, you know, you're like, oh, well, what? And you're you're in your own head, you know? Yeah. You know, sorry, just to go back to the production being involved. Like, of course they had to clear it ahead of time, so they didn't all pick the same thing. Yeah. And you would never want to cut to Richard. And he's like, oh, man, I was going to say... Shrimp I was going to say dim sum. Say steak and, and I was going to say dim sum. Yeah, like you don't want to have him hemming and hawing. Of course they had to talk about it ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, such a good point. 
But I think I think they probably did choose. I mean, I think it'd be weird yeah, they if were the involved. production chose for them. Like if they right, chose right. dim sum for Melissa, that would be weird, you know. But they could have told him no. Like they chose not to. Yeah, or kind of the degree of difficulty they were shooting for. Actually, yeah, what do they say no to for Richard? (laughs) Obviously, Gravy Tower was out. (laughs) Gravy Boat Fountain. (laughs) Gravy Tower? That's my nickname. Oh, man. Yeah, what a time. Um, Banana scallops. Yeah, banana scallops. The one thing that I, the main thing which I said in, in my summary was just that I felt like eight plates from this many different chefs which th- with this many different assignments we basically saw nothing of what half the people made like i i did not remember carrie's toasts until i went back and looked them up i couldn't remember oh. what people had made that um, mushroom to- toast looked duh. mushroom toast yeah, it was yeah, so good the, that's the good. thing is also you know in that was a perfect example of i bet that um the the avocado toast that kiki made was good mm-hmm. but it didn't stand out because we've all had avocado toast before and Brittany going like, oh, I'm going to zag and do this other thing is like. But still just like watching them describe them. They're just like, this is legit. And that's all we hear anybody say about the dish or like, I loved the pineapple cutaway that they just had. There's just too many chefs on our TV still. And, well, yeah. so, yeah. and a lot of bites of food, huh? I guess yeah. it's a heavy breakfast. But this, I the did. The quick fire really earned its name. That's yeah. <laughs> true. My, my theory it, is. My theory is that for these early challenges, it's less about the food because they're just trying to teach the chefs like about time management and like kind oh, of yeah. get their heads in the game a little bit. Like we've definitely found out that Dawn needs to figure out her timing better, you know? And so I think that maybe it's kind of good for them to get these in early so they can really figure out what they need to get better on. Yeah, that's true. There's a, definitely a chance to learn a lot on this. Um, I, How do you guys feel about breakfast and diners? I love. I it. don't know that I associate Portland with diners, but I do think of it as a breakfast. I town. mean, visiting Portland, I do. Uh, I guess like so that that felt like that was in line with like you usually would take us to like a place that felt like in line with this, uh, like where I would get these things uh, whenever we'd come visit. But yeah. like as a local, probably a little different. Different. You know, a lot of waiting. There was definitely a lot of waiting for the people to get to put their orders in. That's normal. Yeah, I'd say some of my favorite meals have been like really good breakfast. Like when I get like an inventive breakfast dish, uh, one of, there's a place called Dove's Luncheonette in Chicago that was like a diner, but also like amazing Mexican food where I got like, they, they just like mashed it up together and just like the diner vibe, but really good food is one of like my most memorable meal experiences. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. It's my favorite of the meals, I think. And it's my it's certainly one of my favorite meals to go out for. I just love the vibe of breakfast and yuck. But I don't like eating it early, so I like a brunch, really. I don't. I want breakfast food at noon is really what I'm always looking for. Or actually, somebody mentioned getting pancakes at 2 a.m., which is also one of my favorite things. Oh. I love a full mm. breakfast in the middle of the night. I like a night waffle. Yeah, night out, waffle. And I can get a Belgian waffle. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a place in Portland called the 24-hour hot cake house, which is as advertised and is like one of my favorite places. And it's just a perfect diner with really hard working greasy uh spoon kind of food and and short order cooks. And definitely there's always a fight in the parking lot when you're leaving. It's a very exciting place, and I like it so much. Um also, I wanted to mention on this because uh, they're t- mentioning the, how the short order cooks do not get as much recognition as they do. There was a New Yorker article from like 15 years ago about um, chefs that make exclusively eggs in Las Vegas. It was called the Eggmen. And it's just oh. people who are like, yeah, I make 14,000 omelets every morning. 
that's what I do. I just I'm in a little room of just omelet pans, and they are just so brilliantly fast. And uh, the main skill is like keeping a bunch of little timers in your head at the same time, like how many different things you can have on and know exactly when to flip everything over. Anyway, just made me really love people who make a lot of eggs. So yeah, we saw that in the last uh, Vegas challenge, actually. Yes, we did see some some good Vegas stuff. Yeah, man, I like it. I'm very happy. All right, let's move along to the elimination. Uh, did I mention the Jamie one overall? Jamie won overall. Yeah, Jamie is one of those large, old-timey organs with, like, pumps and uh, rope pulls and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Very fun. She scores uh, Looney Tunes in her free time. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Looney Tune um, Foley artist. She made a, um, a cheddar polenta, and I do like that everyone who has had cheese mentions that it's Tillamook cheddar in their descriptions uh, of the dishes. Clearly a sponsor. Clearly yeah. a sponsor. I like that a lot. But a good one, a sponsor that's close to my heart, so I like it. You have, you have cheese close to your heart? That's real problematic, Alex. Well, that's where it goes. If you, I mean, you don't have a choice. I can't eat the cheese and then have it not involve my heart. That's just I, how the body works, Ez. Fair enough. Was there okay? Actually, one more quick thing from this: Is there any other dish that seemed especially good to you that you didn't get to focus on? Which, which, let's like, let's everybody order a breakfast off this menu. Oh, oh! Obviously, we're going to lean towards the veggie hashes. God, I'm so hungry. Actually, you know what? As a pescatarian, (laughs) I would have eaten that uh, cheddar polenta with the shrimp. That sounded really, really good to me because I have developed a taste for shrimp and grits after marrying this fine southern gentleman sitting next to me. Woo. <laughs> um, that does sound good. I, remind me what gochujang is. It's a Korean it's a chili. It's a chili. Yeah, that's what yeah, I thought. Maybe even smoked. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I like. I mean, I like. I love a veggie hash. Uh, and this lemon creme fraiche was my vote. What else? Who else wants to order? Uh, I go for the mushroom toast. Yeah, mushroom toast. Did yeah, I would like to see more of that. Yeah, the mushroom toast is interesting because, like, I, I think um, because Brittany said it was like can't go wrong with that, and Sarah, like, next to me was like, I don't know if that's true, and then <laughs> it turned out no, she could not go wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you probably could. Um, yeah. What? So this is um, a pouvoir. Is that just? Does that just mean with mushrooms, man? Uh, no, no oh, with pepper. 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 With pepper. Oh, fun. Mushrooms with pepper. Yeah, that sounds great. I think I ended up going with the Irish breakfast. Like, it was rude, but, like, that seemed like the stuff that my body craves. I'd just say no hollandaise. Oh, no. Oh, you ruined it. I was with you until you said no hollandaise. I'll I'll take that no hollandaise order. I'll I'll take no hollandaise and everything. (laughs) (laughs) I really like hollandaise. Um, That's disappointing. But... That's fair. Yeah, so glad you can I have your hollandaise on the side, side so I can have it. Um, what's that? Is it Holman's that has the really lemony hollandaise in Portland? I feel like I've taken some of you to uh, Holman's. Anyway, they make like just the most lemony hollandaise. It's so good. And actually, there was a really brilliant article in the paper a few years ago that was like the best place in Portland to get breakfast that's a 10-minute walk from a place that's line is too long. So you go to the famous place, you're like, ugh, I don't have an hour and a half to wait. What's the best breakfast in a 10 minute radius of that that's still like you will not be disappointed by? And Holman's won that uh, for one of the, I can't remember where it was close to, but anyway. All right, let's move on. Let's pull out this knife block. Knife block is back, and the chefs are choosing between two of Portland's favorite beverages. 
coffee, and beer. Whether you want mm. uppers or downers, Portland is a city that always a little bit needs to pee. But there's a twist. Tom woke up real early to tell everybody to pair up coffee meets beer, ups and downs, shoots and ladders, mugs and chugs, double shot gun, cream and lager. That one's a little stretch. Dark roast and pale ale, a natty iced latte. Anyway, it's beer and coffee mashup. You get it. The I didn't love this twist unless this is a thing in Portland where accidentally you drink both at the same time. If that's a common thing, then I'm all well, for it. What if the dishes included a um, a coffee stout, which I definitely like an espresso stout, which I see yeah. around a bunch. So there that's is definitely a, around, yeah. but you don't see a beer coffee drink as much. No, that would be disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, well, like a red eye with, with beer. There's a nitro that is kind of well, like a true. Guinness. Yeah, so it's got a Guinness feel Text, to it. Texture. A yeah. Guinness texture. texture. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, could be on the same tap, theoretically, or the same taps. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I like this. This is not a important I, thing I've heard of. I disagree and say I actually like the twist because I thought going into it that this is too simple a challenge. Mm. Uh, I wasn't that interested and them like finding a way to make beer and coffee taste what good together because like I didn't care about that. It was more a thing. It was more like what Sarah, sorry, was saying about how these te- these challenges are teaching them how to play the game. Yeah, whereas about figuring out how they can like work with someone else and change their ideas on the fly. Like I personally didn't care about the feedback of what made like the coffee and beer taste well together it was just cool seeing people like ditch their ideas and come up with new ideas in the moment and how successful they were at that and i thought yeah. that was like the the second level top chef skill that i think elimination challenges need to like work off of and up until that point just making a coffee or beer centric dish felt like a quick fire i agree it, it did seem a little too easy until the twist and i don't think the twist some of the twists ruin things like i thought they were gonna say like when he first showed up i was worried he was gonna say you make the same dish but now with beer instead of coffee mm-hmm. um and i think that would actually be a little bit less pleasant this was actually like oh you have a lot of time to figure out how to make these work together well and some chefs did and some chefs didn't and that's mm-hmm. you know the the beauty of the episode there but it's not as though working coffee and beer in together is easy i mean they're both bitter they're totally different ingredients and react to mm-hmm. food in completely different ways and we saw one's like a breakfast drink one's a dinner drink uh disagree with you on both but oh okay we're which which okay please tell me what meals do you drink what with either and either lunch you could um okay. but uh point if, of the point if is i just, see someone eating a normal hot dinner and they have a hot cup of coffee with it that would be pretty weird for yeah, me but an after dinner coffee no Absolutely. i do like an after dinner coffee sure yeah there you go but and all I'm saying is like it's yeah. it's challenging and some chefs rose above the challenge and some chefs didn't. Yeah, and, and I, I have to say to their credit, like to the whole group of chefs' credit, only one pair kind of fell into the trap that I think they were setting for them, which is making the same dish and just smushing it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. they were two good of friends. Sasha and Brittany needed to criticize one another a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes they were too good yeah it turns out friendship is not always magic well, um i think it was it's that it's that stage of friendship i guess where it's like it, it was honeymoon stage of friendship and you need just like one step after that where it's like like cutting your toenails in front of each other friendship where it's like you are more like i don't like have either. that friendship yeah oh you should <laughs> get that friendship. i don't, I don't have that marriage for not to <laughs> yeah you guys have to be marriage. on the bottom for elimination <laughs> yeah half of our marriage has that i suppose <laughs> um yeah, but I think you're right. They they everyone is friendly enough with each other not to really get 
um, kindly critical yet. And, yeah. yeah, they need to they need to, to start stop being nice and start getting real from yeah. from, from, from from some from sages of our of our time. Start getting also nice. Just, and, oh. It yeah. also just shows their flexibility. Like most of the teams were like, okay, well, we've got to work together and rethink both of our dishes so that it works, you know. And only Sasha and Brittany did not do that, and you know their dish suffered for that. But I think going back to some of the um, feels dumps from the beginning about everybody being like maybe nicer than usual friendlier than usual i feel like the teamwork on these first two episodes has both been better than i'm used to um both with combining ideas and also just with generally being okay with the idea of working in teams there's like there was so little grumbling when they combined everyone just misses people yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's like oh man a human yeah let's do it i don't care (laughs) that's that lemon hell yeah yeah, so um, quick rundown of the tops and bottoms. Uh, I mentioned the friendship is not always magic, but animosity can be because Portland Gabe and Long Jump, Long Jump Dawn combined uh, for a top place. Last week, winners Sarah and her partner Yogurt were also on the top. Also, Gabe was there. Um, and this week's winner, Avishar and the, sh- the Avishar and Shota Show with their lobster carbonated grapes, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, and believing in each other pulled out the win man not just teamwork but their after thing after interview where they were just like i just thank you i just really appreciate you believing in me i always believe in you buddy yeah, oh it's just so touching friendly josh and all i just there's, there's, uh, that's that's the spinoff i think i think i was going uh i think i was uh avishar to win i think last episode so i i feel like i'm looking pretty good right now overall Yes, I'm pretty sure that was my that was his bold was, prediction. That was, that was your yeah. bold prediction. Yeah, wow. you, wait, you watch Avishar and Shota together, and you figured of the two of them, Avishar is the one winning. <laughs> I watched Avishar. Yes, last like you know, yeah, the first episode. And Where you guys he almost were like, went He's home. not long for this world. Like I would disagree. Oh right, yeah, you were just being a troll. I I mean, this episode solidified my early f- gut feeling, which is that this might be the Shota season. Yeah, there's well, Shota a lot. In I mean, Avishar. Well, so um, somebody pointed this but out. On but on the other hand carbonated grapes <laughs> so true i want one so bad here's, that sounds rad here's the thing is that yeah. if somehow shota's joshing unlocked some hidden potential because oh, no. abishar said he he made me confident enough to do the things i want to do but i'm too scared to do Aww. if he can ride that and like actually show his talent he might actually like come back from the bottom if he beats to the Shota because Shota no, no, told no, no, him to no. believe in himself oh, no, 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 let's not get twisted he's not gonna beat Shota no <laughs> but, but, but he may have removed a bushel from Abishar's light that's yeah. true yeah so Aww. I mean this this could be really Abishar. sweet and nice and a story that we could be here for I'm not confident it's gonna happen but I also but... think Shota just like brings out nice things in a lot of people oh yeah so that's yeah. not necessarily yeah. gonna just be yeah like he's he's you know He's just, he's a good time, as it turns out. Well, in terms of early peaks and valleys, we did have all four of the people from last week's top also in this week's top. So uh, it is a strong strong set. Strong showing for both games. We've got the green reading group uh, (laughs) all figured out. (laughs) Um, So the uh, the not as good situation, the super buds, Brittany and Sasha finish on the bottom for having too much bitterness and too many consonants. Brittany uses two double consonants in her name. Brittany anyway. also wasn't sure she was on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> like they she's, all called the other three over and she was like, does that mean we're on the bottom? And so she's like, yeah, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so positive. Just having so much fun. Yeah. yeah. 
I like them. And in fact, I really like Sasha this episode. But of course, um, even though there were other people on the bottom, um, they were joined by Byron and Chris, who I've never heard of before. But um, of the four of them, only one told all of her backstory. So Sasha is the one who sashays out of the kitchen into the last chance. Same kitchen. I really liked Sasha. I was super bummed. This is two weeks in a row, brokenhearted about the elimination. Yeah. The, the elves are doing us doing us dirty. Yeah. In the sense that everyone is great. Yes. I, think I mean, that's you, probably you, why. Yeah. And with a slate full of people where like, no matter who they are, you're like, yay. It's, it's always going to. Yeah. Be I really like brutal. Chris and I like Byron's story of, you know, working at Burger King to working at EMP. Oh yeah. He was yeah. the Burger King story. That was a great backstory. Like that's, that's uh, from, from the bottom of the bottom to the, Tippity top. So. How many people work at Burger King and don't discover a love of food there? Probably most of them. So good for him for finding that that's what he actually liked about that. But job. how many people have the smart stripper to Burger King as a very famous restaurant? <laughs> yeah, totally right. <laughs> oh, it was a good bit. There's nothing. There's no lie there. No, I don't see the lie. Yeah. Not uh, at all. Yeah. Um, do you guys feel like the tops are too top? Do we feel like this is a super stratified in a way that makes it less exciting now? Mm, or do you think that no. there's just some good luck in there? You know, the Sarah's mm. and the Gabe's will fall. I think those are the people who respond well to pressure from the jump. I think sometimes it takes people a minute to adjust to the actual competition aspects of Top Chef and like being filmed yeah. and everything too. I think it's going to shake out a little bit more as we keep going because people also handle different types of challenges differently too. And in terms of what they were doing, I mean, I know this was a teamwork challenge, but it wasn't that similar structure wise or it wasn't that different structure wise than the one they just did. So I don't know. It makes sense to me that the same people excelled under similar conditions. Yeah. They had a lot yeah. of control over what they were cooking with. Like they had the caveat of coffee and beer, but then all the other ingredients, they got to be like, what's my food? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the the one big surprise with where the sub- mystery ingredients went was Gabriel's beer tortilla. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that was like Gabe. So good. That was Gabe, not Gabriel. Sorry, the, keeping the Gabe straight. Um, Gabe, yes, right. Gabriel is Portland. Uh, other anyway, non non Portland Gabe made beer tortillas, which That's seemed cool. I mean, awesome. Everybody loved them. Yeah, everybody loved it. Um. Yeah. And I mean, like, but in my mind, in terms of, uh, you know, the middles, like Nelson and Maria's chili relleno sounded fantastic. Mm -hmm. And Jamie and Kiki's had a chance at the top had they not put the chicken on top of the puree. So, <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. Their main thing that kept them out of the top was the the chicken placement. It well, was got really crispy skin, and then you just ruin it by softening it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so they should have put it to the side. Yes. Well, or on your head, or any other number of places. Well, I wasn't sure if they wanted to, them to put the puree on top of the chicken. I was. No, I think I that would also gotten them nailed. That <laughs> just, a, just maybe just a chicken, like a like a, a puree shooter on the side. Yeah, exactly. A that whole row work. of shots of puree that always works. Yeah, the separate yeah, 100% shot percent hit rate. <laughs> I actually maybe not even because it's a beer challenge, not a shot glass. A whole stein of puree. <laughs> you, you, you top a puree keg yeah. <laughs> or a coffee. It's a whole butternut squash. Yeah. Oh man, that that would be some cute presentation. You have a butternut squash keg, or you have just a butternut squash drip. You know, like a Chemex of butternut squash. Oh yeah, I like that. And you got to hold your chicken underneath as it drips a few times. There's like a table <laughs> squash. Curry, so off-putting. Oh my so gosh! Don't worry, a very serious person in an apron will tell you when it's ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, actually, that's one thing that did the one disappointment I had about this episode was that it is 
it, ostensibly you're saying Portland is a beer and coffee town, and yet we did not get any loud shout outs to Portland beers or Portland coffees. Yeah, that I saw was weird. Out, uh, yeah, we saw like a couple labels went by, and I like you definitely they were local beers or local ish beers. There, there was some, but they also had like a 21st Amendment, which is San Francisco. So I was like, and I think I saw a Ho Garden uh, bottle as well. Like, yeah. maybe stock was low. No. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, no, you didn't they, know they what Whole Foods was replacing their orders with. <laughs> it was like a similar <laughs> yeah, item. <right? laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the coffee would be easier because I could, I, there are a lot of great Portland coffee roasters. A lot of the best Portland beer is actually like Bend beer um, or other breweries from other towns that like they built a second brewery in Portland and that is really celebrated. Um, not that there's no Portland beer, but just like a lot of the people, things people call the best Portland beer is like actually from San Francisco. And here's the thing is when you're making those large orders from a Whole Foods, you're right. What's corporate, what's packaged, you know, you're not getting the artisanal, you know, roaster or the artisanal brewer. Um, yeah. You know, and this the, wasn't the, the Whole challenge Foods that we live by had a very large selection of local beers and a decent selection of local coffees. But yeah. But also the like, I, I just assume no one paid them. That's kind of my guess because yeah, that's otherwise they would have shown the labels really clearly. Yeah, and this wasn't like going to the one most famous blank where you then have to cook with one of three of their varieties of blank. This was yeah. whatever we could order, like beer is beer, coffee is coffee, go. You know. Yeah, I wish they had done that a little bit. Yeah, it was just like if it was like also we're hanging out at this place that sells this great beer that they make and this great coffee that's roasted next door. That would just make yeah, it a it little, a little more like a missed opportunity where it's like we know this is happening, but we're not going to show you it. So you just had to imagine. That yeah, and I, I mean, I, I'm so I don't I don't drink a lot of beer, but I am a big coffee fan in Portland, and I I would have expected Stumptown because they're like the big corporate local coffee now. But um, my favorite roastery is Dapper and Wise. Or I would really like if they had featured this coffee shop called Never that does some really fun. They're like going maximalist. So they do blends and they do more like flavored lattes, but like that are very interesting and good. Anyway, that's what I would recommend. That's my Portland bonus tip. Dapper and wise or never. Um, uh, let's see. What else do we need to get to about these? I have a thought about I have a thought about the middlers. Uh, yeah, the middles. Uh, it, it, I don't think it's like cream rising or uh, I don't think it's that cut and dry because there's a common narrative on top chef. And maybe this is just because Sarah and I have caught up a lot on RuPaul's drag race. And this is a common yeah. narrative there that like a challenge partway through unlocks a part of a contestant's like self discovery. And there mm. it like sets them up to do different things afterwards uh, that's like a part of the editing narrative is to make sure they know, like w- we see the part where somebody gets it energized. Yeah. And the, it's so early on and there's going to be so many more challenges. There's, there's like, there, there's just so many more opportunities for like a chef to make something, get confidence in themselves and like the, their approach. And then just like everything lock in after that. I, the one thing that, is making me feel a little disappointed for some of these middle people is just that I feel like the elves would want in, if we've seen two full episodes and we've not gotten much about your cooking that I, I feel like the elves wouldn't do that. And then you'd come back and win. They would in the first two episodes, we should meet the winner and hang out with them. Right. Maybe, but there's 14 oh, people. I don't. Yeah. There's so many chefs. You don't I'm think so, Tanya? No, not necessarily. I mean, mm. I, I guess what I was sort of 
projecting into the future is this thing that tends to happen where people are in the middle and they start to get very aggy about being in the middle. And then that gets into their head in a way that is not productive or oh, helpful. Maria is already showing signs. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think like, you know, there's nothing wrong with saving your strength and not necessarily, because the thing about being in the top is that you watch what's, what it's like being in the bottom. And so like, yes, you have like oh, the A yeah. on your paper this week, but then the next paper is being assigned. And you're like, boy, I sure did hate that 45 minute like scalding that everybody else got. Yeah. yeah. Scalding, not but, scolding on purpose. You know, uh, but yeah, so I think that it puts, it puts the fear of judges table into you a little bit more than if you're in the, if you're in the middle, no, you're not getting information and that's annoying. That's and like, thing. I'm not, yeah. you know, you're not like shining your light and whatever, but I feel like there are still people who have a like a later bloom and that is completely legit and gets them great attention down the line. Like the middle is still on the show, which is ultimately like the success factor yeah. when you really get down to it. I, I, I think people get more annoyed about being in the middle than they probably should. Cause with this group of chefs, if you finish fifth out of 14, you don't get a lot of compliments, but that's a great, that means you did really well. And it's it's hard to let because you don't have information, it's hard to let that feel like a compliment. And so they tend to take it as an insult, which does not seem right either. It is interesting that you don't hear the judges feedback, too. So, like, right, that's a good point. You're not there. You're you're not hearing the feedback that other people are getting. Like, I mean, you're hearing it secondhand, I guess. Um, And so maybe that would inform, you know, your own. uh uh, cooking if you yeah. like we're hearing feedback that other people were getting i wonder but if I you know. should be like maybe asking your fellow chef testants in the middle to sort of be tasting your stuff so you can get that at least some, some peer feedback if i don't know if they're doing that or not but you know like just even i can't count on judges for feedback so i may kind of make sure i'm like actually improving um along the way that's that's a great point i especially since everyone is this talented this would be a great and friendly this would be a season where you're you should be getting more feedback from contestants who will actually tell you the truth although it does make me wonder why sasha's incredibly terrible um he overburned hazelnuts or whatever did not like in their super friendness no one was like this is a little kind of gnarly actually well didn't britney say that like she she was like oh they were pretty bitter but you know it's coffee oh i didn't yep. yeah that totally Maybe. happened it's a good point all right well that takes away my point that she hadn't done that um well and there catch. was and there was the feedback on the pasta too and it just it fell you know yeah, like it yeah. seemed like it had gotten addressed but it absolutely had not yeah because we Chris- saw we saw the other the non-pasta partner like feeling weepy that he had not helped tell the pasta how bad the pasta was yeah there's also yeah. There's probably a learning curve to giving feedback for sure. Yeah, to to your to, to your new fellow, people, yeah, uh, teammates. So so Sha- Sasha jumps ship into Last Chance Kitchen, um, which in previous seasons we were like was like Last Chance Suburb House. We don't know where if they're still in the hotel in bubble or if they're in a separate bubble now. But anyway, um, Tom says that in order to win this show, you need thick skin. Or shells or spikes, apparently. Um, so Roscoe takes peanuts, jackfruit, and clams and shows down against Sasha's trip to Texture Town, famously the uh, sports arch rival of Flavortown. Um, they hate each other. Um, she's got fried oysters, pistachios, and cherimoya, which obviously you guys all know is a South American fruit, also known as the custard apple. It's got a smooth texture, a tropical flavor, and only some parts of it are a neurotoxin. <laughs> but Tom thinks this dish is neuro terrific and Sasha advances to the next round. 
So, um, yeah, welcome back to Last Chance Kitchen, you guys. Uh, we mentioned the changes at the beginning of the episode. I also think Last Chance Kitchen has a new writing staff because Tom was delivering some disinterested puns. Yeah, Whoa, Tom yeah. was not Clunker's having it. Adogo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that adobo was an oh no yeah the, no, the, no, oh, no man no, no. <laughs> i feel like tom we're gonna see that tomas uh will abandon the pre-written stuff i'm pretty sure i just he loves a pun but maybe he doesn't like being told what to do <laughs> i wonder yeah i felt like there needed to be like and special shout out to our intern Lindsay for crafting this week's opening <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the idea of the the, the filming is taking longer because every third line Tom just has to like say I'm so sorry and then they have to cut that. <laughs> yeah, ADR Tom was not in a great mood that day for sure. Um, but in person, Tom told a fun fact about Portland's history that was neat. Yes. Talked about the coin toss. Um, and the, is, uh, is there going to be a coin toss in every Last Chance Kitchen now, so you can keep sharing that interesting fact he's learned? Oh, well, yeah. the only thing I would ask is that because um, there, there was um, importantly, it was not a single coin toss. They tossed three coins at a time um, and only one of the coins still remains. But it was a triple coin toss because that's how they used to do it back then. What? Yep. What? Would you have to call all three correctly? No, you'd no. say so you'd say heads or tails and whoever got the most. Oh, so, so is it maybe one agree. person brought one coin, another person brought another coin, and a third coin An was brought in by judge. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a neutral oh, party, yeah. so that we don't have cheaters. Um, yeah, could, it could be that it's about that. It could just be they like to flip three coins at a time because it seemed more fair. But they yeah, that, anyway, famously, more the, things. If you go to see the coin, which they have at the Oregon Historical Society, they'll they'll tell you it's fun to say a coin toss, but it was three coins. But we only have one, so we just call this the coin. A coins tosses. A coins toss, yes, coins toss, yeah. Um, Can I, one 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 yeah. note. So on the one uh, fruit that that was hard skin, they didn't choose uh, was mangosteen. And everyone, if you ever get a chance, eat yourself a mangosteen. What is a mangosteen? It's so yummy. Um, yeah, so it's like um, if I remember, I think it was the queen of fruits. Uh, oh. So 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 durian is the king of fruits uh, generally, and, and, and but mangosteen is the queen. So and um, durian and mangosteen. They got it. Yeah, uh, that's a power couple. But so basically, it's kind of like I don't want that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can imagine the texture, it kind of looks a little bit, you know, like like one of those like uh, like fake bomb bombs. Um, um, and then you just crack it open. Inside, there's it's kind of like a like a little mandarin orange. It's like albino, and it has like basically like one seed all, uh, along all of it. Um, and it's just kind of just this good like kind of sweet white uh, fleshy um, thing that that. Um, it's yeah, just super tasty and like just 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 a palate pleaser. So wow, that's fun. Yeah, got it. Get, get Purple mangosteen. Yeah, um, that's that is fun. I, of the, I mean, I liked I liked the thick skin pun. I didn't like the intro puns, but I like that's a fun fun way to go. Um, the only thing I felt bad about was the pistachios. Just a lot of work for very little pistachio. Yeah, but she chose to do it. You know? Yeah, yeah. She spent a lot of time shelling the stashes. Um. I will also, if you have not followed either Sasha or Roscoe on Instagram, I would highly recommend going to um, Sasha's posts about this um, episode because apparently from the time they got kicked out to the time they actually filmed Last Chance Kitchen, Sasha and Roscoe bonded hardcore. They are very close friends and she wrote just some of the nicest things I've ever read about a person about hanging out with him and how much 
how helpful he was to her when she got eliminated and how much fun they had in loser house and watching other Bravo shows, which made it seem like maybe they were put in a room that only had Bravo channel, which would be very funny. funny. Um, But they were so, both of them were so incredibly sweet and nice and supportive to each other on their posts. And it's just, it's such a sweet read. I highly recommend it. Oh yeah. Pepperoni BFFs forever. They have their own inside jokes. That's wonderful. (laughs) Uh, they're so sweet. So I'm, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm also, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that Sasha got to tell her story and talk about what she's gone through this um, and how this industry is with addiction. Because I am also in an industry with a lot of addiction, and so hearing people talk about stories about getting new tool sets and coming out of it stronger is really, really helpful. Yeah, especially in the pandemic, when I know a lot of people like went down some dark roads and yes. made some choices coming off of that. I think, I mean, I know we also heard that from Shota as well. So yeah. 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 yeah that was yeah, very cool. Um, so from, okay. So wrapping up our discussion before we get to our mailbag from zero to five stumps, how well did this episode showcase Portland for you? Megan, how many stumps does this get? Um, I'm going to go with uh, two or three. Two or three know. stumps. Maybe two and a half stumps. Whoa. Okay. Not a lot of stumps. Why Why or why not? Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I think, and and I think we'll kind of see as the season goes forward. But yeah, I, w- I would have liked to have seen, you know, more highlights of, uh, you know, even if the person can't be there, maybe they could have been there on Zoom or something, like talking about, like, uh this is my roastery or this is, you know, or even just one of those big mean looking paintings of the chef on the wall behind them. Just something to indicate (laughs) a person was in this generic Portland restaurant. Yeah. Or, you know, I've walked past the red tavern so many times and I've never been in and I would have liked to have learned something about it. I don't know. One fun fact (laughs) about the red tavern. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, I think, I think, uh, I wasn't, Sorry, I just Red accidentally. Star Tavern, go- it's Red Star Tavern, and I googled it, and it is permanently closed. Aww. So I don't know if it closed before they filmed or after, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, if, if it was after, maybe they're just using it as a restaurant. Oh, but. is it right next to the the Hotel Monaco? Oh yes, it is. Okay, that would explain it. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'll 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 go with I'll land on three. I think they could have done a little bit more. Um, but definitely still like seeing, you know, all the Portland views and yeah. uh, enjoyed the episode. Yeah, I just I would just like to second the two and a half stumps. I think you could have easily gotten a bonus stump by adding a bag of stump town more visibly. Oh, I feel I feel like we got the stump town uh, uh, graphic design. <laughs> yeah, they're horrible graphic design. Um, anyway, a little more focus on the coffee or the the beer brands would have really helped me. Or even yeah. Yeah, telling us about because apparently when it still was open, the Red Star Tavern was like a Northwest cuisine local uh, brewery kind of place, and I would like to have heard a little bit more about it. So, um, but also every time. <laughs> so embarrassing but i miss portland a whole lot and every time they do that terrible west wing edit of b-roll it makes me choke up so just seeing the bridges from those from the drones just really gets me and so still you get two stumps just for being here um anybody else how many stumps does this give you i was stumpless maya has has some stumps Stomp Town, get it. Stomp Town. Yeah, Maya's wearing uh, Sarah's shoes right now and just 
clomping up a storm. I would say, yeah, I'm in the same range. I had two point, let's say, two point eight stumps. Um, oh, okay. And then maybe like one stump that has an egg on it they forgot to send out. Uh, <laughs> uh, very fair. One thing is that I, like the local press is like spent a lot of time rolling their eyes about this episode of being just like beer and coffee being super cliche heavy about Portland. But I kind of feel like the tourism board wants other people to know about the cliches. Maybe we know about them and they don't. And that's the whole point of. Yeah, it might be cliche, people. but it's also true. Yeah. And so I feel like like we should be fair. proud of it. Those yeah. are things. If they're things we're good at, be proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's, but I was certainly my perspective as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Portland Press's thing is being over it. That's their number one um, goal in any situation, any article. There, it's just, what am I over this week? The Portland Journalist Society motto: "You still want this?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, any other, any other stump? Anyone want to disagree? Anyone got more or fewer stumps for us? I don't know anything about Portland, so I give it five big old stumps. I, nice. I learned so much about this town. Okay. <laughs> um, we have so we have a okay, we gotta get into this because we have um we have an all-star lineup of emailers this week, so let's jump into them. First up from J number one. I think they confuse Portland's brunch scene with breakfast, but okay, which is a fair point. I, when I hear breakfast, I still assume it's at noon. So, yeah, we can call it that. Um, I wish we'd gotten a better look at the servers in their adorable diner outfits. Totally agree. They seem pretty um, stressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the servers kept yeah, coming they, over getting lots of plates. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and they looked cute with their hats and they were all, also like full face shields and masks <laughs> and everything. So probably not were, the best day for them. They were walking at a business clip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jay continues. How did no one order pancakes? See if I invite new top chefs over to my breakfast to breakfast at my place. I sort of assume that's one that the producers would have uh, maybe vetoed pancakes because it's real quick turnaround. Are you kidding? I mean, like, yeah, uh, pancakes real quick turnaround. So is an egg, but you can do different stuff to a pancake. Maybe that means there's a pancake challenge coming. Oh, that would be so good! Oh my heart. Um, do you guys wait, also, wait? Do you guys like thin, fluffy? What, what's your pancake styles? Well, all. Yeah, all at once. Omnivore. Uh, mine's once a year and you never know when it's going to happen but then suddenly (laughs) i'll get like a pancake certainty and then i'll just need to have a pancake and then text me a picture next time i want to know what pancake pancake certainty yeah um i i also like both options although as you have recently gotten me into this um sourdough pancake batter and it's very very good yeah that that is on that is on the, the area fluffier side for sure yeah uh, and I enjoy it very much. Um, so Jay continues, going back to my earlier commentary about San Pellegrino, um, not only are they providing a prize for the season, but there is a huge stock of bottles of their product for people to open, try a drink or two of, and then leave all over the counters when they remember they have t- better tasting beverages. <laughs> yeah, I will defend bubbly water, but uh, Jay and I have both done enough work in comedy theaters to know that Every water bottle you give someone is likely to be taken two sips of and then left on a counter somewhere. I feel like most theaters are basically just collecting areas for three quarters full water bottles. So I can see there being some truth to them. Um, one more question from Jay. Did Tom's eyes look super watery or glazed when he surprised the chefs with the team challenge? Do you suppose he had been checking out some of Portland's local herbs? 
I think he just well, had a swab was... shoved up his nose. Yeah, well, that's almost <laughs> certainly true. <laughs> as much as I love thinking about Tom, like, lighten one up, I'm pretty sure he'd just been severely COVID tested. He did. And it was probably like 3 a.m. that he had to get up to get into hair, makeup, cardigan fitting. Wait, wait, wait. Why would he be in Listen, hair? Oh, someone's got to powder that dome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just makeup, makeup, and cardigan fitting. It was also during the, it, possibly during the fire season. Portland had Almost a lot of certainly like, so smoky in Portland. Smoke um, from that. So I was kind of wondering up, that because they trees. were in, during the breakfast challenge, everyone was like dying of being too hot yeah. um, from having to run around that huge kitchen. And I kind of wondered if maybe, I don't know, they didn't have the AC they on or so something. They were so sweaty the... and Megan felt so bad for them. But everyone was, every, like multiple people said they'd never sweated this much in their lives as they did in that kitchen. So the long runs, so hot in there. bad air conditioning. Well, but the but even if there is good air circulation, you're running. And then when you're not running, you're, you're leaning good. over hot that's flames. so true so yeah. like it's not i mean i don't know that it means that the room was impossible i think it it could have a lot to do with like exertion followed immediately by cooking yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah oh one more really bad for them. one more thing from jay number one that i need to get in here which is i'm looking forward to the last chance kitchen challenge where they have to integrate a bmw into their dish very good fair enough um i like it a lot all right uh I stephanie one quick one quick thing yes. thinking about how big the uh, kitchen is just one theory that i couldn't like share last week i think the kitchen's so big to keep the camera crews further away from the chef testants uh, oh yeah yep. because, that makes sense and from each other too mm-hmm. a very good point i will add um from jane i'll also skip ahead to jane's message on facebook who said a similar thing which i wanted uh speculating on the discussion of the latest episode regarding the judges distancing from each other i have a theory rupaul rupaul's dragway race sorry rupaul's drag race did an episode about filming during covid that you might find insightful the parts that i think might apply here is that the judges distancing isn't for each other it's for the crew members the cast is free to interact with each other because they're in the same pod but the crew may not have the same freedom and might have to mind social distancing more strictly than the talent oh yeah that makes sense yeah, I think that's really interesting. Because, um, well, yeah, if you see, like, when they're all seated at the table being served at the tavern later, like, they're, you know, they're not that far apart. No. Right, yeah, that was the, we were talking last week about how they're, like, absurdly far apart in judges' table, but then when they're eating, they're right next to each other, and that's a weird optics. But the um, keeping further apart for the film crew and the other production staff makes a ton of sense. Because we saw those servers coming in wearing face shields and stuff, and the judges don't have to, obviously. So mm-hmm. they, um, yeah, I and and very, very much more power to them if they're trying to take care of the crew and just not talking about it. Um, since I'm inside uh, Jane's message, also uh, Jane says, I am bad at the math game, but I can remember, but I can't remember if we've had such consistent top rankings so early on i'm pretty sure all four of the top chefs this week were on last week which i agree um is it too early to call top two so if we have four chefs back to back who's your top two guys Shoda and sarah Shoda and sarah me too feels i yeah i don't i would I sorry would. gabes you're both great yeah <sighs> i'd say Shoda and maybe gabe just because i think like as like i think sarah my the obvious pick is Sarah because she was like she won last week and Shoda mm-hmm. essentially won this week. But I do think Gabe making the beer masa tortilla 
shows more potential to like win the end than like just yeah. making really good tasty food like Sarah has. Interesting. Yeah. 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 He's got a lot of focus too. Yeah. I feel like he's he's got like such a clear perspective. Um and I don't just mean in terms of type of food. I just feel like he like is very decisive and imaginative in what he's doing. And that to me seemed like, like amazing qualities to, Must to be carry fun shoes. Yeah. Um yeah I agree with that. I do think that um I like seeing Sarah and Gabriel and Shoda all in the top four so that even because if it's not Portland, I wouldn't mind it being Seattle. I think having the Pacific Northwest doing so well is very exciting. Yeah. But um, in, in general, if, if you're asking just pulling the group personally, I do think it's early to call a yeah, top two. Yeah, of course. Of course. You know? I, I, I see a lot of potential in Kiki. Like I, I think she, I, it feels like some of the dishes she's made in these two episodes are like the things she thinks are appropriate for top chef, but I don't see as much of like, I don't know if there's as much personality in it. And that that's sort of who I was talking about with like a challenge later on can like give someone the boost to like step their game up. Right. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jane also says, I love seeing and hearing Avishar and Shota work so well together. I want to smoke weed and play Mario party and eat homemade chutney with these guys. Like Avishar smoking weed. He's playing the hell out of Mario Party, but he's a straight edge. Avishar <laughs> <laughs> um, is my top one and top two, for the record. All right. All right. So, um, uh, oh, this is a... Uh, we'll do that one last. Sorry, let me go in order here. Okay. Uh, from Jordan, our restaurant correspondent, you may all remember. Um, Jordan says, hey, everyone. I think it was so cool in this episode to see some of the chefs talking about the personal impact of the stress of having a restaurant during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Alcohol and substance abuse is rampant in the industry in normal times, but this last year has been amplified, mixing isolation, and it's been extremely toxic. My restaurant still hasn't let anyone inside, only using our terrace. We won't until the whole staff has the option of getting the vaccine. But an unseen side effect is how we started to view other res- other businesses that haven't been as careful and their lack of transparency when cases did happen. I'm not sure what the impact of those feelings going forward will be. I think the season was shot in September, so most of the chefs haven't been active or have had limited seating at the time. I, you can see all of them, for the lack of a better word, are hungry. What do you mean, lack of a better word? That's the best possible word. Um, it's terrible circumstances, but I think it will lead to amazing cooking. So... Yeah, in addition to the toxicity of those other things, the fact of also having sort of um, judgment about each other and their businesses definitely seems like it would make the business even harder. Man. Yeah, that's just a, I mean, it's a tricky reality for pretty much everybody because everybody has to decide what they feel comfortable doing. And then you have people that make different decisions and then you just have to all know that together. Yep. It's great. Yep. All the time. Yeah. Um, we heard right. that. Michelle on, wrote in on Facebook to say, um, sad, but not surprised by this outcome. But for a while I thought Dawn might be getting the famous last words edit by screwing up something. She said she was great at glad that wasn't the case. She's fierce. I also liked that pivot away from that edit because I, I had the exact same like shoulder hunch, like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and she, she didn't just say that she's good at it. She said I could do it in my sleep, which is the one of the kisses of death, for sure. It's Except the... she was right, and yes. they were awesome. Yes. She probably could cook ribs in her sleep, it turns out. That was uh, interesting. Oh, some of the sleep cooking that we all heard all about. <laughs> uh, I'd be really useful. Um, I, the other thing I was going to say is like, the we had like sort of like like a spat kind of like right between uh don and and, and uh was it gabriel uh chef's planning uh like they made it seem a lot worse before the the commercial break 
like that like it re- resolved like fairly quickly in, in a, a much more amicable way than I expected, I guess, like afterwards. That so felt like yeah, it was like I'm more sure how amicable trauma. that was like I yeah, I don't I don't know that they get along great at the end of this, but I, I think winning changes a lot. I read a lot into if they had been oh, on the bottom, yeah. they might they might be really angry with each other. But the fact that it did work out, I bet heals a lot of wounds. I mean, I the deadness in her eyes tells me that he's fine <laughs> and we don't have to talk about it. But also, like, we're not going to be like, you know, desperate to collabo again. They're not pepperoni BFFs forever. No. <laughs> They're, they are pep- pepperoni colleagues and nothing more. Okay, fair enough. Um, Bridget on Facebook says, eight plates is too many plates for a quick fire, and the kitchen is so huge this year, I felt so bad for them, and Blaze's order was freaking ridiculous. Bridget, we've talked a little bit about this. I think we might be a little more okay um, with him, but uh, Bridget says, he essentially robbed those two people of the chance of at immunity just for fun. Like, even if you could knock it all out in 30 minutes on eight plates, it still wouldn't be as good or as focused as one of the other dishes that someone had time to do more with uh, more intention. <laughs> You're right. And you know what? They were too chicken to uh, ding the bell earlier. Should have so run that's the what bell. you get. That's a good point. I feel um, like we need to arrange a conversation between Bridget and Blaze. Just like it seems like there's something personal going on. Uh, and I, I, I get it. But I, I just would love Bridget and Blaze to have a chance to have a conversation. <laughs> i think yeah i would mediate a discussion between the two of you that does seem good i guess um, something about blaze's silly hair last week just like all the fight went out of me and it's not that i like him now it's just that like i can't i can't like get mad at him anymore I'm i just, okay like, i'm so glad to hear you say that because i was we talked a little bit about this last week with the hair is like everybody beating up on him on the hair he had to have known that was coming so it does feel like there's a sense of like I guess openness and yeah, silliness is the right word with that hair that like he knew what he was doing and it was like, yeah, I don't know. It made me, it made me like soften a bit. He's embracing people's annoyance with him. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like willing to just like keep doing a thing he likes, even though he knows that Padma's going to be real mean to him about it. I I didn't assign this much agency to the hair. I think I just was like, blaze is going to blaze and there's actually nothing I can do about it. And like letting myself get like real frothy every time it happens is like not productive. So, Oh, well, I got to let that sorry for mistakenly, that pompadour ride into the sunset. Um, I'm sorry for accidentally um, uh, associating your remarks too closely with mine, but blaze has got a blaze. That's a very good point. Um, the hair was awful. The, the hair, like it, it was bad. Like I understand him like trying a thing. I don't think he was knowingly uh, setting himself up. I think he put that in saying like I'm going to start a thing. I say this because my hair has grown out like down to my shoulders. So like I every time I'd like hang out with friends, I'd be like, Hey, do you notice how long my hair is? <laughs> like just for compliments. And I really think like Blaze was coming in with that, coming up like, this is me. I haven't gotten a haircut in weeks. I'm showing how good I've been, but also I'm extra stylish. And then he just got obliterated. Um, Yeah. I will also add for my softness for Blaze this episode was that he did say he felt the need to apologize for his order, which so he during his production meeting thought it was a reasonable thing. And then when he saw it happen, he was like, oh, wait, that was way too much. I'm so sorry. Which I think gets a little bit of credit. Um, Jake at Jake MHS on Twitter says, how do you guys feel about bait and switch challenges? This one went fine in general, but I don't care for the challenges where the goal completely changes in the middle. 
Yeah, I, it, I, I don't see this as a super necessary skill for chefs on the whole. Like, uh, like if it's like if if partway through every service, like eight things change, like you know, like this bait and switch, uh, then I feel like it's more relevant. But I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I guess now it's enough of a trope that you should be able to expect it. Uh, I feel like early on it was maybe more unfair. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked uh, the suggestion of like you have to switch from beer to coffee and vice versa would have been more unfair because yeah. that would be just saying like screw your dish and you're stuck with these ingredients In preparation yeah but instead it was about using a like they got to pick what they wanted to work with and then having this fixed pool of ingredients from what you and your partner bought trying to find to create something out of that felt more like a chef challenge as opposed to a rude bait and switch. Yeah. So like, so if you had your heart set on a bad idea, like a coffee romesco, that's chalky, you could do that before you can do that after the combination. Nothing's stopping you. You you can still make that terrible coffee romesco. I, I want more of a store justification, I guess like that, that, like why it had to be this bait and switch. Like it, it was just, them like, liking to we're drink back both. in the old time in Portland. One time, a, a beer bus crashed into the coffee train. Yeah, like that. that's the thing. I, I like that because it's like if you had known the history, you're like, oh, this actually maybe could you, you could maybe like see it coming. Like that's the thing mm. that I would like. Like like if you that but if it's just like, hey, this is a random thing that we're doing now. That, that, yeah. that does it for me a little less. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I also would say we got like eight or ten comments and, and emails from people just saying how much they love Avatar and showed it together. And I'm not going to read all of them, but we are with you. Everybody liked the Avishar and showed us show. All right. And then one last email. This is about last week's episode. This is from Stephanie. Who sent us an email about the coal mine that's on fire forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that place. What does she hey, say guys, about it? Long, longtime fan of the podcast and even longer fan of geological trivia. Your discussion <laughs> about a town that's perpetually on fire activated the part of my brain that must explain Centralia, Pennsylvania to people when it comes up. So basically... Centralia was an average Pennsylvania mining town until its coal deposits were accidentally set on fire in the 60s. No one really knows how it happened, although it was probably because of a literal dumpster fire. Interestingly, the fire didn't fully become a problem for the town until the until the early 80s when the surface level started caving in at random locations at random times. Okay, so that means if you live in this Pennsylvania town, it's not just sinkholes. There are sinkholes that are on fire. Well, people don't live there anymore because of that. That's so terrible. Yeah, that's probably true. A good point. It's also um, the inspiration for the video game Silent Hill. Oh, it's about a town on fire underground. It's just a creepy town. Oh, okay. I mean, um, it sounds like a metaphor for our entire world. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you guys are you're right about them leaving. But so the, uh, continuing on the email, the government gave citizens money to leave, and in the '90s, the governor declared eminent domain. There are still some holdouts, though. Although is I think it's time- is that just dibs. Yeah, government declared dibs, um, legal dibs, on the whole city. There are still about 10, down to less than 10 people. Um, The demographic section of the town's Wikipedia page is wild. It goes over a 1,000 people to a few dozen in the space of a decade. Um, Bad as this all is... because it was on fire and collapsing from underneath. What? Well, Chris, as bad as this is, Stephanie continues, it could have been worse. (gasps) <gasps> the fire is contained under this town, but a geology professor told me that dumb luck prevented the fire from spreading to other seams of coal deposits and basically setting the whole mid-Atlantic region on fire underground. Oh my god! Yes, this particular day in college lives rent-free in my mind, which is why I'm 
tipsily rambling about it to my favorite Top Chef podcast. Weirdly, just before you're listening to your podcast, I read that there's an effort to plant wildflowers and apple trees in the area again. Although, to because I had also, <laughs> 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 to appease the god of the burning house. Uh, yeah, although because I had recently watched the new Top Chef, this whole thing it made me had me wondering if smoked apples would actually taste good. All right, that's enough ghost town facts for me. I love the show and I'm so excited for your takes on this new season. Well, Stephanie, we really appreciate the additional background information on the terror that is Centralia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that was delightful. Best on, yeah. best kind of ghost town is also a fire ghost town, I think for sure. <laughs> I didn't even think to be afraid of fire ghosts, but that's it for sure. Take that, ice ghosts. <laughs> Man, what an intense thing. I already think sinkholes are like one of the most terrifying thing where just like the earth randomly swallows a bus. But the idea that it swallows a bus and it's on fire is just, it's so much. Man. Well, um, anyway, if you guys want to keep thinking about the burning hell maw of Pennsylvania, um, please write in. We would always love to hear about it as we love all of your takes and opinions and backstory and disagreements. You can send us an email podcast at read dash weep.com. And we thank everybody who writes in and hangs out with us on the show. It's really, especially this week was a big bunch of emails. It's great to see all the, all the names from earlier seasons and, and hear from everybody who we've enjoyed corresponding with over the last couple of years. So I really appreciate it. Um, before we go, Ezra, you're sticking with Avishar to win place and show. Does anybody else have any strong, predictions bold predictions no my good feeling about gabe continues oh okay yeah positivity otherwise yeah otherwise i'm looking forward to uh pan-african food next week do you have any thought that maybe the gabes will have to team up at some time and become team gabe no 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 i think for sure it's highlander rules two gabes enter one gabe leaves right there can be only one gabe yeah that's right i assume that gabriel goes by gabe normally but it was like when you have like three michaels in a class and so i'm like fine i disagree yeah. top chef has a broad history of using last initials oh, that's uh, true. when there they are too that. many mics or yeah. you know whatever so the fact that gabriel from portland says gabriel i think that he, he insists on gabriel it. and that calling him gabe is uh wrong i'm so sorry misleading. gabriel yeah. i really i really apologize um yeah pan, um pan african cuisine next week very excited about that um yeah. But bold prediction. I think just all the chefs from now on will just have like a, a fried egg in their pocket ready to like to dish out in case they forget. <laughs> I'm troubled. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If you could keep it over medium in your pocket, some credit for that for sure. I think Blaze is working on a way to do it. A, perfect, a perfectly <laughs> cooked pocket egg. <laughs> you got like a little, yeah, like a little circulator going like in. I bet, I bet Avishar is going to pull it out and it'll be a carbonated egg. Mm, because he eggs. believes in himself too much now. Showed gave him too much power, and now he's gonna go. He's <laughs> gone mad with anything. power, carbonating everything in his path. He's a soda stream. <laughs> yeah, he's just got a soda stream, and he's like pushing Tom's head into it. And he's like, "No, this is the way you eat this." <laughs> I thought you were gonna say he's gonna carbonate. <laughs> yeah, Tom's yeah, head. That, yeah exactly. Like, like the way you eat this dish is first make like up, carbonate make up your brain. stream now in the morning. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> is Shota stream a thing? Is that? <laughs> Uh, very possibly he could be carbonated and frothy all the time Uh, well if any of these things happen we will talk about it next week on pack your mics Uh, please continue to send us our feedback Um, before we go Chris if you would please uh, pack your pocket eggs and your face mask and please stay home in this restaurant because we don't want you to leave make a a friend for life 
Make, yeah, I'll make a friend for life. Yeah, and go do hang something out in the cottage and be so friendly. Yeah, get smash your, some pistachios with a pan. Get some barbecue hookup, would you please? Chris, oh, yeah. you are my pepperoni BFF forever. Um, thank you guys, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for being here, Chris and Tanya. It's great to have you both back. Yeah. Woo. As and Sarah, lovely to have you both. Yeah. Yep. New Sarah and Kyle, glad to have you. What a great time with the whole panel. Yes, thank you. Very pleasant. And <laughs> the fact that you said that this, makes you really uh, don't think. <laughs> yeah, for some reason that word sounds like it's not real. Um, Kyle's like, this was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, I'm sorry, Kyle, and I hope you get maybe a gravy tower later to perk you up. No, this is this is genuine. I'll explain the context after off air. <laughs> Okay, no, all great. good. <laughs> I love a mystery. All right. And Megan, thanks for podcasting with me. Oh, thanks, Alex. Next week, I have a pancake certainty for you. Yay. All right. Bye, everybody.